What's happening? I'm here with Damien Jungerman. Is that how you pronounce it? Close. Close? Jungerman. Jungerman. I'm here with Damien Jungerman, the most tattered guy I know on campus. Uh, <laughs> dude, honestly, I'd love to start talking about puppies with you and from there, like, but mm-hmm. like, it, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Um, Damien goes to the School of General Studies. Um, Damien, can you take 30 seconds and just like give, your, give an introduction to yourself uh, for the sure. audience? Yeah, first, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. And, uh, Pleasure's on mine. So just like a quick overview. I was born in Florida you know, and, and uh, grew up there on the East Coast, a pair, uh, place where we call like, the Space Coast. That's where NASA Kennedy Space Center is there. I've lot. been there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, right? Cape Canaveral? Yeah, close yeah. to there. So south of them from Melbourne. Oh, which is um, inland, like it's over the over the Indian River uh-huh. from Melbourne Beach, and so yeah, I grew up in that culture. My grandfather was a, uh, a World War Two veteran. He was uh, shot down and spent a year in the uh, German prison camp and was as a POW and came back and then went to Penn and they moved to Florida. And then uh, yeah, my father was from that area. And then I grew up there and went to University of Florida. And was a theater major. A theater major? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was a theater major there. <laughs> and I moved here in 99. Mm-hmm. I left my senior year, uh, my senior last semester I left school. and moved to New York and then I uh, was here in 99 and then the attacks happened. And then I joined the Navy in 2003 and spent 14 years in the Navy and started off as a mechanic, sort of a mechanic. Not really, but... And then tried out for explosive ordnance disposal, so then we defused bombs. So I went to Afghanistan three times and uh, loved that. Loved serving with people, I served with some great people. And then I was medically retired last year for PTSD and depression and uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury. And then I started here in January, Columbia. So, So, um, okay, that's a lot. That's so many questions in my head, (laughs) you have no idea. so you decided to join the Navy directly after the, the attacks? Uh, I decided to join the military. Oh, you I thought I, I should. Uh-huh. I thought I should. Uh-huh. You know? It felt like life seemed silly the way I was living it. Uh-huh. And to see, to be here in the city when it happened, it's a very visceral thing. And to watch people's reactions and it just seemed... Not that anyone's life is, was silly that didn't do it, but to me it felt like, um, though my parents were hippies and my, you know, they weren't into, you know, wanting to do that, but my uncles had gone to Vietnam and my grandfather had served, and he was a huge influence on me, so it just felt like a natural thing to do. I was older, though, at the time. I was 27. You were 27. When that happened, and, but I felt like, okay, I'm physically able to do this. Uh-huh. Are you about, what, 45 now? 44. 44? Mm-hmm. Well, you are exactly double my age. <laughs> you are exactly double my age. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, now, now I, can, I can fairly say that the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> if you, you honestly, wow, okay. Um, so you joined the military, the, the, the Navy in 2003, and then since you served 14 years, and you went a bunch of times to Afghanistan. Went three times. Three times. Mm-hmm. Wow. Not really a bunch. I knew guys so, went eight times. Nine times. times. But like, why, why would they fly you back then if, if, you were, if you were deputed there? Well, I would just go and then you'd come back and then if you had the opportunity to go back, then we wanted to go back, you know, as many times as we could go. I, th- I thought uh-huh. that was my job, you know, it's like I'm, if you're somewhat proficient at your job and they need you, uh-huh. 
then you should keep asking to go back. That was how I felt about it. And many, and, and, and some people didn't have the opportunity to go. You know, some units were not able to go as often, or, or some jobs weren't. I, I don't know. But, uh-huh. uh, there were a few of us who just thought it was. And it's not all. It's not altruistic. You know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's addictive. And I loved war. I loved going. And I liked. Um, I didn't like losing friends. Of course, that's a bad thing. But I loved serving my country. And more importantly, I just liked going and feeling like if it's my job to protect these people from getting their limbs blown off. And Afghans as well. We worked with Afghans, and you know, mm-hmm. they were in my in the missions as well. Mm-hmm. And if it's if you can be a part to help these people come back with their limbs to their families, then mm-hmm. that's your I job. See, you know. There's a bunch of interesting uh, interesting things. Uh, I I want to I want to know more about your ex- your experience in Afghanistan mm-hmm. in the sense of how you felt about how you feel about war in general. What do you think about war? Mm-hmm. Um, your personal experience, how how Afghanistan was and how serving was, um, and how did that translate into the depression, PTSD, and TMI that you spoke to me about? Mm. Hmm. So my first deployment, we were attached to. I was had like the honor to be attached to it. It was an Army Special Forces unit, a Green Beret team, I guess. Uh-huh. I won't get into the jargon, the military jargon. No, I know Green Beret. Yeah, I, I so that's another Green Beret. So I have an idea. Yeah, yeah, and very like uh, great people to go with. You're supposed to be the best of the best, right? They were. Yeah, they're they're great. Oh wow. They're great. I mean, they're, they're individuals, right? Some uh-huh. people are individuals. Some people are not, right? Right. They're not as good as other people. Oh wow. Okay. Obviously, right. Uh-huh. That's just how it is, and this will tie into the individualism right. later, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy <laughs> about that. So then, early on, uh, my first time there, uh, we had unfortunate things happen. Um, the um, soon after I was there, we had an Afghan. Uh, we first on the same mission, the uh, Green Beret captain. Um, Stepped on an IED and lost his leg, and he he was able to get medevaced and lived. And on the same, I want you to speak a little louder, please. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. On a first one of the on the same day, a, a Green Beret, the captain, he had uh, stepped on an IED and lost his legs, and he, they were able to get medevaced and lived. And on the way back, we had a an Afghan drive over a, an IED with a motorcycle. He lost all his limbs and half of his face, and he died. So uh, I was not there for the captain, the, the ODA, the Green Beret captain. Another one of the guys was there, and um, I was involved with going to get the Afghan that um, initiated that. So um, had to, you know, we saw that early on, you know, the the effects of war and um, the realities of it, and that's just the reality, and you have to just keep going. You know, there's mm-hmm. no wallowing. You know, it's difficult. It's not fun. You know, and it. Saddened me, saddened me to lose an Af- the, the, the Afghan. And then next, um, soon thereafter, I moved locations. And then I was on a mission, and I was there to clear a doorway. Um, just jumping ahead. And I was kneeling on a, in a doorway to clear a doorway so that we can make entry to a compound. And I called that doorway clear. Well, it wasn't clear. I was kneeling right. There was an IED right under where I was kneeling. And the last Afghan to step on it stepped on it and initiated it and lost all his limbs, uh, three of his limbs. And then he ended up passing and dying uh, from those injuries before we could get him out of there. So that was just a, you know, and so those were early experiences. And 
I don't know if there's a stronger lesson of you know, personal responsibility and accountability than war. When you make a mistake like that, and there's no other way to look at it than that. I made a mistake. I should have found it. It's, there's lots of variables that go into this. It's not black and white, but it's mm-hmm. nuanced. But No, I see what you mean. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I should have found it, or I right. could have. Right. right. And if that's my job, it's my only job. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Then there's no one else to blame but that. And there were other people, that, there were Afghans that had checked it first. But I'm the one making the final decision. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a good, you know, good. It's a, it's a lesson that you have to take and learn from and get better and move on. And, and, and get better and utilize that experience to get better. So, uh, but that's something I didn't know right away. I mean, those were, I went back two more times. But did that. did that set you back, like mentally speaking? Did that, did that, did that put you in a place where you felt except, like? It changed, changed me uh-huh. for sure, those experiences. It, yes, you can't help but right. get affected by it, you know. Um, but through time, and I'm not saying that I dealt with it well at the time. I moved on and was able to progress right. and do my job and, and hopefully get better, better every time. Hopefully, yeah, yeah of yeah. course, I hope so. Uh, but the effects of, the cumulative effects of the experiences, sure, they, they create mm-hmm. PTSD and, you know, uh, symptoms and, mm-hmm. yeah, those I didn't handle well when right. I came home. And, it was uh, difficult adjusting to the civilian lifestyle, you'd say? No, I don't, I don't. I wasn't home for very long between each time. I'd say so after the last one. Yeah, I, I would. I would think it. Right. It had bad effects on my mm-hmm. um, relationships and uh, sure, but I also wasn't, in my opinion, wasn't looking back. I don't know if I handled it mm-hmm. the best way that I could have. Right. You know, like sort of. You know what I mean? I don't know. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, uh, being half your age has its pros and its cons. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the downsides is that I'm I've almost and it has a lot to do with my background in general and 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 just the way that I've lived my life and up until uh, when you say that a decision changes your life and you don't probably realize it in that instance and, and and cumulatively it sort of makes sense in retrospect when you look back and you're like oh yeah that was a very hinging fundamental point. This, I have never had anything that had costed anybody else beyond me. A certain something or at least the way I see it um, but I do understand that and what's what's very very fascinating to me or I, I, probably fascinating is not the right word what's very impressive to me is the fact that you are willing to take all this personal responsibility I don't know 10 years hence mm-hmm. right um, which is sort of like a good segue that I want to get into mm-hmm. when I talk to you about politics and stuff because right. um, you were um, I've been told, and I've been told by a lot of people that you're probably one of the most articulate, like getting into an argument with you is like <laughs> getting stabbed so peacefully that it's not even funny, you know. Uh, I, 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 I want to get into that because I feel like, how, how many years do you have left on, the, on campus? A year and a half. I hope I get like three or four more interviews with you by that time because I know there's going to be, I see four books in front of me, it's right. going to be a while before I yes. get capture the extent of you. Mm. Um, okay, uh, how, how hard was it, like... Because I've seen you never talk about your military background up right. until, even if I'm, I feel like, is there a story? Never. I don't bring it up often. I don't. Your tattoos do. Your yeah, tattoos the don't tattoos are, <laughs> yeah, the tattoos are rough and it, it's hard to, you can't, not rough, I don't mind. I mean, there are sometimes there are. What? Tell, tell us a story about it. Tell us a story well, about it. Well, I'm just overly tattooed. Yeah, so like, why did that many, happen? 
how did that happen? Is there a piece of art? I always like no. <laughs> I always liked tattoos. I liked, you know, more, I grew up riding motorcycles with my father, and uh, you know, I just it was just one of those things. I it just tattoos were. I never thought I would have this many, but I got one when I was fairly young, uh-huh. and then it was really I just liked the artwork. I thought it was an interesting artwork right. and the history of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so history of things are important to me. Right. You know, it ties into all the things we talk about. And I've always really been really interested in, in anything that I'm involved in. Okay, what's the history of that? Where does that start? Where does it go to? Because it gives me a sense of, of place, you know, where, even in the, so the theater, almost more than acting, I liked knowing the history of theater, reading about it and the history of American theater. Where did that come from? And it kind of gave me a sense of place and a reverence, you know, uh-huh. like the people that came before you and, and respecting right. them and there's like awe and wonder in that. I think right. that's I think that's lacking some nowadays. You know? uh-huh. But with the tattoos, it was just a very common military culture to, to have it. Um, and I, I just, I, I started with kind of a few and then it just kept going. But there was a part of it that felt that it would keep people from talking to you. And that's what I wanted at the time. I didn't want people to approach me or talk to me about anything really, especially after the deployments. You know, there was a part of that that was like, okay. And it was the opposite. It actually had people come, and talk to, to, come up to me. So it, it made me actually more, much more open. And, oh, wow. You know, not that I wasn't open, but... Like, I know what you mean. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then now it's sort of like, I know how I look, uh-huh. you know, and it can be severe. Right. So it almost makes me feel like I need to be even, you know, like... More open and more friendly to everyone. I've noticed that. So it's great. Yeah, I've it's noticed that. It's turned into a really good thing. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned, but like uh, interacting with you is sort of a contradiction because you'd imagine somebody looking like you would be like a very, you know, hardened man, but then you come across as so soft. And you're like, hey, did that just happen? But have you heard of this thing where um, young people, especially like the rebellious kind of young people, particularly the kind of people that you find in the politically left here in America, <laughs> They dress in like sloppy clothes and like they don't keep themselves up well. Uh, it's uh, economists and social scientists call it cheap signaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is sort of this is this is kind of some sort of signaling. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if, by, if by the end of the podcast we can decide on one term to give this. <laughs> it's like uh, anti-social social signaling, you know, social right. anti-social signaling. Yeah, yeah. that's. That, so at what point did you start realizing like you know what these tattoos don't? Because like I see, I, I seem to sense like this sort of uh, ambivalence to them now. Mm-hmm. What point did it change from like just deep? passion for the tattoos to like eh oh it, it wasn't like a even I, I don't even call it a passion it was just and I, it's not like people are like oh you would do like the pain of that I can't stand it I don't like the pain ever you know, of the tattoos right like every time they the needle would start I, I said why am I doing this you know, oh wow especially on my neck and, and ribs and those things but um I just really liked the art I liked the people I liked the tattoo shops and, right what part? What part is the most painful uh, to get tattooed? I think the ribs mm. or my neck. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the, the neck. The ribs are bad. Okay. Because they're it's a big tattoo. You know, oh wow! And right on your bones. To me, I'm just saying that's my personal. Oh right. Some right. people will say different things. I just got like I've gotten one tattoo mm-hmm. and I got it on my birthday. This and I was like I was drunk enough. So I tell my friends, listen, this is the only time I'm going to say yes to this thing. Let's fucking do it. Let's go to a tattoo shop and I got a tattoo of my parents' name on my back. I just think it's a it's a very adorable tattoo. I really like it. But both my parents cracked the same joke as soon as I told them. I was like, yo, I got your name tattooed and spoke to them separately. And my dad and my mom both said the same thing. They were like, were you afraid of getting lost? He's like, is that why you got your family's name tattooed? And he's so hilarious. Anyway. It's snarky. I like it. And I was like, 
what kind of what kind of a couple are you guys like you crack the same joke like where is this coming from but regardless so um how how long have you been at columbia how's how's that been like it's just got here last january it's it's difficult i mean the school's difficult and I do have some issues with reading because of the uh, TBI. Uh-huh. I don't watch. Well, I don't know what reasons because TBI is PTSD, <coughs> right? So there's like a Venn diagram and there's mm-hmm. symptoms. They don't know which are which and what are what. I see what you mean. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to spend too much time on that because I think that that plays into the victimhood uh-huh. culture a little bit. Right. Quite a bit actually. So um. So it does take me sometimes hard, longer to read. So when people ask me like what I do in my free time, I said, well, I have to study. I don't have free time because sometimes it, I have to read things like two or three times for them to kind of, Makes you know, sense. or it's just slow and right. doesn't mean that I, I can't assimilate it, uh-huh. but it, sometimes it's just, it depends you know, right. on the day. And right. You right. never know. So, right. But I do spend quite a lot of time reading and I, and I have seemed to not retain things as well. Uh-huh. And that's, seem to progress you know wor- uh, in, a, in a bad way mm-hmm. yeah so there is there, you know, there's sometimes a fear well how long will I be able to right. read you know how how bad is this going to be in 10 years and so I feel like I'm kind of you know always making up for or wanting to make sure I can do this I see so um so Columbia it's hard I mean it's hard it's Columbia yeah I don't yeah. know why people would want it to be easy it should be the hardest thing you I do. do I do you know yeah. And it is. Yeah. And sometimes it's a nuisance. It's so fascinating. Like your entire yeah. value structure is like the flip. Like just the, the polar opposite of how the, the, the traditional value structure that I found here mm-hmm. in students, right? Where students want it to be easy. Uh, and which also uh, wants me to talk about when you mentioned the victimhood culture. It's like, the I'm not necessarily certain if the TMI that you have, in my definition, if you were to, if you were to use it as if you were to like legitimately use it as an excuse to like take more time to study, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see that as a victim as, as victimhood, but it's like when you start glorifying your deficiencies to make the world accommodate you um, beyond a certain line, it just, it's, 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 it's a frightening dystopia to me. So Jonathan Haidt in his new book, Coddling of the American Mind, which I think everyone should read. Everyone should read that book. Greg Lukianoff and John Haidt wrote this book. And they, Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's all of their books actually are amazing. But uh, they say this, uh, you know, people don't pave the road for the, don't prepare the road for the child, prepare the child for the road. Right. right. And that's, I think, what's going on now. So I don't, and I don't mean with the TBI that I don't need more time. Right. That's fine. Uh-huh. And if you're a veteran and you're, and you, or anybody, you, there's disability services, right? It's not that. It's. Are we using them because we can get them or are we using them because we need them? There's a difference in that, you know? Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I mean? And, and that's, that's, and that's that. accountability. That's up to the individual to have that, you know, something in. Right. You have to look at yourself honestly and say, do I need this or do I just, am I getting this because I want this? And I can get it because I have this in my record. Right. You know? I know what you mean. Yeah. It's also like a Venn diagram, right? And there's very, sure. yeah, and there's like a very slight spot where... Um, where you can get them and where you need them and there mm-hmm. is just like this larger space where there is only when you can get them and then you exercise them. Right. Is it something... Because what is PTSD now? What does that really mean now? Well, everyone has it now, right? Everyone can claim it almost. Right. 
and it's 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 expanded to cover so many things. I don't really even want to get into what that means, but but a, a, you know, a couple few decades ago, it was pretty specific. Like you had to go through some pretty traumatic, direct traumatic experience to be diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah, the that's not true anymore. Uh-huh. So, one of the issues with mental health is uh, mental health diagnosis is a, is like. With ADHD, mm-hmm. everybody wants to get us the on Adderall, you know, and then right. yeah, and it's it's become such a loose system of diagnosis that almost everybody, it, it's so counterproductive to the mental health awareness culture. It's like if you're going to be diagnosing everybody, people are eventually going to lose faith in it. It's basic so- social psychology, That's right? What it is. Um, I get that. I get that. Um, so when you came to the campus and you found, um, and this is particularly something that I'm borrowing from what I already know about you, and you found this. Um, rather freaky outrage culture on campus right. where it's um, essentially calling people out mm-hmm. um, almost for like a prestige value value higher. moral status yeah for moral right. status right. exactly and and moral status being in my opinion moral status seems to be the metric to measure your social hierarchy with no. um, and i i related to the freudian idea that essentially everybody is just trying to get laid everybody right. that's that's it, yeah, the, so the whole I've idea i heard you say this before. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, I'm, I'm so convinced that people are morally upscaling themselves so that uh, it's easier for women to pick on top. I, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too much. But anyway, um, how, what are your views on that? Mm-hmm. And I want you to like expansively get into that. And how do you tackle it personally? Like, how do you go about doing it? Uh, well, outrage, I mean, all of these things. So I'll try to like pick like specific points within Fair. that. Yeah. Within that first. So... The issue now is not, it's not just outrage culture or mob mentality or on campus, because it's going to expand beyond that. And there were some cr- critics that said, that's just happening on college campuses. Well, it's not, that's not possible. It, it's not just going to stop, right? Well, these people are going to graduate and they're going to move on and they're going to take that, you know, ideology with them. Right. So that's the main issue I have here is just in why I think colloquia was so important or any, any, anything about that is idea diversity. That's important. Mm-hmm. And as far as what I've experienced here, it's not so much with the other students. I don't, I'm blessed in the American studies program, uh, you know, I have a great, you know, uh, the head of the department, you know, Casey Blake is amazing. You know, I don't have any, I've never had two classes. Every class I've taken with those professors, they're very open and like welcoming to that I may have conservative points of view that aren't even radically conservative. I'm not a radical right wing person, yeah. you know, but yeah. that's how it's perceived by some other students. Right. And uh, I've been able to, 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 to bring up counter, to counter their ideas. I don't ever, and that's another thing is I think if people just, if people just stop taking things so personal or making it personal because it's it should it doesn't have to be i can counter your idea it has nothing to do with you you yeah and that's why i don't generally bring in my lived experience all that much because i don't think i need to you know uh-huh. i shouldn't really have to mm-hmm. or it shouldn't matter all that much i feel like that's kind of a it's a crutch, you know what I mean? In debating, it's almost, a, or discussing, it's almost right. like a crutch. It's like beyond this point, you have no right to speak because right. this is my territory. Or if I get someone to get to, well, you're a straight white male card. Yeah. If oh they get God. to that, then I know that they don't really have anything else to discuss. So uh-huh. there's, where do we go from there? 
Right. You know? Right. You know, there's no discourse after that. Um, I, so. I I get played against with a straight white male card right. so often. <laughs> I, I know. Why? I'm not, like, listen to my accent properly. I'm mm-hmm. not, but, you know. Um, but I don't know how they know I'm, you know, when they say that, they don't know I'm straight. Exactly. They have no idea. And they assume that too. Right. Right. And by that, by their definition and by their standards, you could take offense in that. Right. And then where do we go? Right. It's, a, it's, it, it, it's like a forage into nothingness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I haven't, I don't experience this, I see it, so I see it and, and I see people get upset, they don't, I don't know if it's because of what I look like, they don't tend to mess with you, I don't even call it that, but yeah, I don't, I don't get, you know, because I, I think if you focus on your, on, on being specific with your words, right, and having a, a decent foundation to your argument and you're not using some flippant you know you know emotional outburst as the basis of what you're saying then you know generally i have a pretty healthy discourse with people you know right because of how i talk to people too it's right i, don't, I try not to you know i don't you know i practice some stoicism in your, right in your discussions uh-huh but do, do, would you say that in some part you formulate the way you go about your life and your experiences in the anti, as as um, as the polar opposite of what this culture m- makes people behave in, you know, you know what I mean, right? D- would you say like you do you consciously form like the fact that you would not use your military vet status right. or the fact that you would not mention your TMI and your PTSD mm-hmm. um, and all your views on on these issues are sort of like very beautifully anti, you know, mm-hmm. would you say they came about because you were so disgusted by this culture or so outraged, uh, outraged by this culture, whatever, <laughs> or would you say that it happened because, uh, because that naturally happened and then you found like your anti-hero quite pretty much right. right where you were going to school? It's a combination of so many things and it's, I've been studying it so deeply for uh, only really a couple of years. I used to be on the left, you know. And, and, oh, you used to be on the yeah. left? Wow. Yeah. And I was a theater major. Oh, yeah. You know, no, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. what am I even doing? <laughs> but I don't, you know, and, and, and it it took me really, I, I thought, okay, I want to understand what conservatism is and what conservatives are thinking or where they're coming from. That's really all. And then I started studying that and it it was impossible. You can't, if you're a rational person who's interested in truth you can't study these things really and not at least get to the center mm-hmm. you know it, it, mm-hmm. I, I mean you it's hard to read thomas Sowell or i mean or john height and he's you know these people you know and 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 read these statistics read these studies i mean milton friedman all study economics at all and, and not move to the center if you're open to them, if you're not just looking for confirmation bias, which is an easy thing to do. It's simple. I, I'm guilty of it all the time. Right. I, I do it often if I'm looking for stuff. Oh, uh, you know, you'll find yourself scrolling until you find a study that, right? Makes sense that to your, your argument. argument. Yeah. You want to do that on some I got that. It was the other day I was in a discussion with someone and we were talking about affirmative action. And I said, well, that's... I don't like it because it's based just on race and not socioeconomic at all, and, or not economics at all. And uh, <laughs> someone asked me what my definition of racism was. I was like, "Well, it's this is just the definition of racism. Which one? Find one." I said, "Well, find one. Pick one. Any one. 
uh-huh. not from the Urban Dictionary. Right. And you just saw them like scrolling. Mm-hmm. Oh. Until oh, they wow. found one. That, like the perfect Right. One. And I, I was like, well, that's not... Like New York Times describes it. With power. It comes right. with power, okay? But, well, like, well, who wrote the dictionary? Oh, really, we're going to get to this? Like, you know what I mean? Or what definition do you mean? So yeah. when it gets, when it devolves to that kind of question, there's not really a... I know what you mean. You know what I mean? I, 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 I somehow follow. It's like, by default, um, born, in, born in the generation that I was, um, and born in the socioeconomic, even educational status that I got back mm-hmm. in India, all of that, you automatically find yourself on the left. Um, I, it's like you look at, and especially in India, where there is just so many dispossessed people, where there is so many people who need help. In fact, to a, to some degree, I am convinced as an Indian, I want to be on the left because there is way more people that that need help than people who need protection right now, right? And that is sort of a vague uh, metric of distinction that I that I sort of understand the Indian politics. So by, but once I started reading more into it, once I started realizing, it's like. I, I was a little disheartened with myself for automatically choosing one side when I had not even understood the spectrum. So that sort of uh, pushed me more towards the right. I still don't know where I find myself. I'm, I'm still... Right. Um, because it's so difficult to... Difficult. The left has stretched the band so further apart that even if you are like a classic liberal, you are sort of conservative now, right? And... Um, well, they, it, well they've, they've commandeered these terms, right? Like, liberal... Mm-hmm. They're not really liberal. I don't. I mean, there are some right on the left that are liberal, but progressives. Like, what? What is? The, how does that fit into the word liberal? You know what I mean? Like, and like to create to make the word nationalists a dirty word. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And patriotism is bad. And bad. American. The and any idea of American exceptionalism, and I know I get a lot of heat for that as well, using that word. Is, is bad. What is American exceptionalism? I mean, it's it's just the idea, right, that, that America was created in a unique way and um, it's tied, right? It's There is no real definition, uh-huh. but it's just a term that's brought up. Um, um, it's, you know, there's ideas of free market capitalism in there. Right. Right. D- democracy. Uh-huh. Um, right, uh, individual rights, like those kind of things. Yeah. But it's also, it, it's like a double-edged thing. People can talk, talk about it as American arrogance as well. And that's right. true. But I think it's an interesting, at least just discussion to have. Uh-huh. You know, like what does that mean? And right. what does it mean to you? Or what does that mean? And, right. you know, to me, I, I think of it almost as back, you know, even if Lincoln was, in, you know, talking about how, you know, you can't have slavery and ex- how can, we're hypocrites and we're a laughing stock. Because uh-huh. that's not what's in the Declaration. Right. It's true. It's not. It's uh-huh. ridiculous. So... His thing was, how can we export this idea of American like democracy anywhere and be these kind of hypocrites, uh-huh. right? So that's kind of, in a way, a piece of, uh, you could call that American exceptionalism, right? And then that's a little bit of arrogance, I'm sure, is what a lot of people say. Or nationalism is somewhat arrogant, but I don't think, I don't see it as that way. You know it's, what I mean? I think there's like doses of these things. Right. Pieces of these things. I think Jonah Goldberg talks about that in his book, Suicide of the West, like, there's levels of these things that are positive. Tribalism. That's po- you know what I mean. Those are good things. Like read Sebastian's you uh-huh. know younger's book on tri- tribe, on tribalism. The book's called Tribe, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's that that you know these are like. And I and I just talked to some of my you know progressive friends and I said, like read Roger Scruton's books on conservatism. Right. You know, like uh-huh. what conservatism really means. Like what does that really mean? Not just this, 
the fascist media or like space. popular yeah. idea yeah. of what being not what Trump is, not what Trump. No, is. he's right? no. I don't. And it, and so I tell people often this in, in a debate. Okay, how about this? I don't like Trump. There now. What are, now? What do you have? Uh-huh. Like, what are we gonna say now? Right. Right, and they pretty much that's it. That's They're it. like, you know what? We have nothing else. No. Then they have eugenics and racism and yeah. fascism, right. right? And these three arguments don't hold up to evidence in a lot of places. Some people, I mean, I, I give people that due due credit. Like there is there is problems, and I'm more aware of the Indian political scenario than I am of the American. So like I can say that the right that the conservative conservative thought in India has its own fallacies, and and liberal thought in India has its own fallacies, but. Um, it's sort of like a shame directed at being yourself. Well, it's a national self-loathing. Uh, yes, That's yes. That's what it is. Like this, I don't this. even think it's national. I think it's it's like in India. It's American, but but we're taught it here, right? Uh-huh. Right. There's there's even a class. I won't say what it is, but. Someone's like, oh, is that the America Sucks class? And oh, everyone laughs uh, at that. Because that's you really surely don't want to say the name of no, the class. <laughs> but uh, I'm not in it. But uh, that's what I've heard it's kind of called. But, but that's what I, I talked to someone who, who's young and they, uh-huh. I asked them and they said that they're K through 12. That's basically what you're taught now. It's just like... A, just that like being an American America's being just wide, sucks. Straight, yeah, it's like colonialism or imperialism. You know, all of these things. Right. I, I, I don't get that. I don't get how we've become like we're not allowed to be. You know, that's what I particularly dislike about... Well, that, and that's me. I dislike about uh, studying about history because things get way too complicated. Like you said yeah. how you're so passionate about the reverence that you get from the history of things. Yeah. It's like if I, if I dive deep enough into India's history and we got independence, what, 70 years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 70, 70 years 70 years ago. Um, uh, I, I don't blame the British. Like... It's like, it's, it's no more functionally useful for me. I am given with the situation. I am, I exist at this platform. This is the landscape. What do I do now? That's more like me. The more I, I, I stay with myself here, the more I meet people like you and people, other, other people, the more I realize, for me, solving puzzles is uh, still like right up there. And one of the better puzzles is to solve the now so that the tomorrow is better, so that the next moment is better. And... That's why, I, I mean, history is very important for lessons, but it just complicates my viewpoint so much because I have this innate need to be rational as a fuck. Like, the two, three voices in my head, one of them has to win, and only then am I going to believe in something, you know? Until then, and like, I'm pretty sure that's what the books did to you. Like, when you started reading about conservatism, even if you were predominantly liberal up until, the voice in your head won out the other voice, right? It had more logic to it, and then you were like, you know what, I have to be convinced by that. If you can't... And I don't, and I'm not telling people, oh, you have to switch sides. I don't care because you need both, right? right? We need all of these views to make America right. work, like the, even our politics. Right. But if you, <laughs> I, I know, I'm, I use Thomas Sowell because I know so many of us have read him and, it, and they were, there was a life-changing uh, really? experience. That's one life-changing book for you? One life-changing book for you. Thomas Sowell? Well, all of them. I've read, I've read all quite of a few of his. Oh, I haven't read all of his. Uh-huh. He's written a lot. But I've read, I think, six. Oh, wow. Okay. His books. And they're, I mean, some of them are more dense than others. Uh-huh. But I just tell people, there's a new one. Oh, what's it called? Um, discrim- discrimination and, and deviations. Or, I'm going to One of the two. Deviations and discrimination. Yeah. Whatever. It's a very short book. Mm-hmm. And it just, if you just can read that. And, and if it doesn't at least make you think right. uh, and, and want to look deeper into things, like, okay, let's actually look at multivariate and studies, not that. just, you yeah. know, I mean, there was a study, I tell people this, I think there was a study that said a six foot tall man uh-huh. over his lifetime 
makes $166,000 more than a five foot four man. Really? Okay, but where does that study come from? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Right. But if we just look at that, and, and I'm not actually sure, I'm just, that's off the top of my head. I don't know right. if that's exactly right. Uh-huh. Does that mean we don't, shouldn't hire, promote tall people? Do you know what I mean? I mean, this is where it all goes with this equality. Of equality of outcome. Yeah. yeah I, like, like, you know, I can keep going on. Like, right. how, where does this end? Right. Where does that end then? Right. What about left-handed people? Right. Do they get paid more? Right. I mean, I'm left-handed and I'm tall, so that's why I'm uh-huh. this up. But, you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of use all of these. But, like, when you look into, like, a Thomas Sowell book or you study economics. Right. Milton Friedman, like, Milton he, Friedman. You know, he has a huge impact on me as well. Like, if I could just listen to one person yeah. talk. And I, he's like a villain now. You know, it's like this uh-huh. neoliberal term. What that, they're really meaning capitalist, right? right. You see that. And, and um, yeah, you read one of those books and it's going to at least make you think. Okay. okay. You can't not think by reading Thomas Sowell's book. Right. You can't. You can't not uh-huh. unless you're just so consumed with confirmation bias. Right. That you just will not. That you just will want not. to believe the other side. No, and there was a... What do I, I, I was, we were studying mass incarceration and I, I, was, I found the statistic that from 2000 to 2015, the number of blacks going to prison went down every year. Uh-huh. And I bring that up to people and they, they don't believe me. Like they won't believe it. They won't believe or the won't, fact. They won't believe that, that that's true. Okay. And they'll have to cover, they'll check. And it's true. And I'm not saying that it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in mass incarceration. I mean, it's silly to right. believe in that. Like that's a weird thing to believe in. Right. Um, <laughs> But it doesn't mean like I, you know what I mean. I, I, it doesn't mean that we, that we're being told everything through the the, the, the major media outlets, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't hear about that, right? Like people are surprised by that, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of where it, where it, where it brought me was I read some of those books and it just taught me to it showed me these statistics that I had never heard before, right. nor had I even heard that right. narrative at all. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it made me question things in a much um, deeper way. It's like I, when I started reading Steven Pinker's Enlightenment mm-hmm. Now, and when I came across where he where he talks about how like we've progressed over the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. and it it was a little obvious to me, mm-hmm. right? I, probably also growing up, growing up in a country that had just achieved liberal economic status and you know the, the curve was going up and it's all you're, you are always talking about India as the fastest one of the faster growing economies probably I saw it because of that but when I talk to people about it when I talk to people about the idea of enlightenment and, and everything and they look at me like I'm they look at me like I'm some crazy conservative uh, person for uh, for believing that the world is going in the right direction right I don't know why <laughs> this is another funny thing when I get into any debate and I point out any kind of positive anything, uh-huh. they get mad. Right. That's kind of strange. This self-loathing is it's self-loathing. <laughs> it's like, why do you want the world to be worse, worse. than it actually is, is right now? Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know. So I'm for, and obviously, I'm not an expert on any of these things. I'm uh, just like studying them. Right. And I think they're, it's fascinating, I think. Right. And I think it's as, as important to look at things from the left as well. Like I, I, things like U, UBI, right? Like universal basic income. Right. I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Right. You know, like I read Andrew Yang's book on that. It's really interesting. And I also read Charles Murray, right? He has a book on that. On his universal basic income? Yeah. Okay. So he has a whole, it's called, oh gosh, what's it called? 
Charles Murray's book coming up with his books are very important as well, but uh, and he's considered this rampant racist because of the bell curve, which yeah. is just insane. I was, I was, I was, kind of, I was like, is he going to touch the kryptonite? Is he going to talk about the bell curve? Yeah, I like, mean, that's where people explode. Well, man. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I've read, I've read the controversial parts. I've read quite a bit of, of the bell curve, and uh, but that uh, is surprising amount of data there. There's a lot of data. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, people I have he, no idea because people have never read it. Right. I think he has said that he. I think he may have said that he regrets writing, you know, just because of the... Over the shit he's got. Yeah. As a 75-year-old dude, if yeah. you get beat up on a college campus, you definitely regret it. Like, yeah. uh, I've read, I've read, I, I, wrote, a, I wrote an op-ed on uh, the bell curve mm-hmm. sometime last semester, some in the spring, and uh, I would carry that book around and i know the stairs that I got for <laughs> carrying the book around. It was uh, heartwarming, let's just say. Uh, but also... Uh, oh, I have lots of titles I could give you that you'd love to carry around that, that, have, got, that have got me. Quite great. If um, you want to be stared down like you are oh, an alien have, entity who does not exist, yeah. contact Damien. Yes. Um, uh, You'll have no friends. How to be a conservative, Roger Scruton. That's what you want to conservative by yeah. Roger Scruton. That's what you want to have. Um, Why men earn more. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Oh, my God. Coming apart, the state... What is it like? Whatever Charles Murray, his book "Coming Apart." That's a good one. I um, I read this. Uh, it's so interesting. The more you know, and the, the the more you can break down almost like social media activism, and then you realize how stupid people are being. But there is this very interesting thing that Sasha Baron Cohen does on uh, on his show, "Who Is America?" I don't know if you followed. No. You should definitely watch it. You would love it. I'm not kidding. And it's going to be a good break for you from okay. reading all of this. Um, he dresses up. So he dresses up as various characters, like really convincingly, and then goes to quite the polar opposite people and then like has an interaction where he freaks the hell out of them makes them makes them do crazy shit so one of his characters is this very liberal professor very progressive liberal professor and the way he introduces himself to this act is like my name is so and so so and so i am a cisgender white straight male and i apologize for it that's how he literally introduces himself (laughs) and that's very essential you know and that uh, because it's like we're fond of loathing ourselves we're fond of now loathing the normal to feed the variation that's ego though that is not humility. That's the mistake people are making. It's not actually humility to be self. You know what I mean? To con to self loathing isn't humility. Uh-huh. It's actually your ego. Right. Um, I you feel know like what I, mean? I, I let, let me try. Well, and that's think. what I was told at least. Yeah. Let, let me try and uh, uh, frame your argument in a way that I understand it. So it's uh, the way I see it is like if you understand your strengths and weaknesses and then choose to not be blindly arrogant about them or blindly insecure about them you are humble but if you choose to not see them at all then there is an ego it's issue narcissism yeah either narcissism For or sure. like it's self-esteem like, issues like on the opposite side it's narcissism either way i believe either you know, way even if you're self-loathing that's a narcissism that, that, how, how how does that work because out? you're on you you know you're, it's just you uh-huh you know and it's like it's a comfortable it's it's almost it can end up being comfortable because i've done that i've actually been there with the mistakes that I made in the war. Right. It got to where I kind of existed in this self-loathing, which I thought was humility. Uh-huh. But it's not. Because you're not you're relishing the victim. Oh, I see. You, what you mean. almost you know, the self-loathing is a victim. Right. It's the same, it's the same feeling, at least to me, it was the same feeling as being uh-huh. a victim. And there's no, <laughs> what I tell people about being a victim is why would you want to be a victim? Why would you want to be, a, if you think about this, uh-huh. what does being a victim ever really get you? Or how does it move you forward? Because to me, it was, 
it's like you're in quicksand, but your shoulders and the head are above. So right. you think you're okay, right. but you're not getting anywhere. Let me do one better on that. It's like the only way being a victim would benefit you is if everybody believed that being a victim would benefit you. The moral you. status. Right. Of course. Uh, That's what I mean. Yeah. There's nothing. There, there, you have to get something out of it. Uh-huh. Right? Right. You have to. And for that, you have to, you have to ultimately make the world accommodate that because the world, I don't think at least... 10 years ago, the world did not think like this. Right. Right? Or no, at, at wow. least not as vocally think like this. Uh, yeah, 10 years, maybe not. No, 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 I know you're right. I think. And uh, Haidt and uh, Luke Yanov talk about this. The, the iGen, it's called the iGen or Generation Z. It's right. actually not millennials, it's mm-hmm. the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's the previous generation. The one after them. The one after mm-hmm. the millennials? Okay. So, yeah. What exactly construct, construes the millennials? Like Millenn- so I don't know I don't know like the ages for the millennials, but the the ones that are are talked about as iGen or Gen Z are the ones afterwards. I right. believe they were born post born in ninety five ish. I don't know. I I forget the okay. exact. If somebody case. has a definition for iGen and whatever millennials mm-hmm. just shoot because I see that all the time and I have no idea. But that's the social media one. Right. right. That's, that's the one that they discuss it as as being social. The ones who right. grew up with social media and I and. I don't, I, I, and, and it's such a new phenomenon. So this kind of campus stuff is a relatively new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And they talk about it as well, how students used to be the biggest proponents for free speech. Right. But uh, now that that kind of turned, and I think it was 2014 that Luke Yanov and mm-hmm. Haidt started seeing this. But it's in the book Rise of Victimhood Culture, and they discuss their three different kinds of culture. And it's very clear. It's, it's a pretty nice, it's a good way to think of it. There, there was honor culture. Right, which was when we had duels, right? Like back in the day when you know you uh, dishonored me, I'm going to challenge you personally, but I'm going to take care of it, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe we had a, whatever, we had a duel or whatever we fought. Oh yeah, the duel you know? culture. Yes, yes, yes. Then we That's had dignity culture, uh-huh. that which came later, which is the basically uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Uh huh. That's dignity culture, right? We didn't take, mm-hmm. you know, we were, it was like a dignified mm-hmm. discourse and debate and things like that. Right. Now we have victimhood culture, which is, I'm paraphrasing, I'm sure, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but it's more like, it's honor culture, but I'm not taking care of it. Uh-huh. I'm asking someone else to punish you for it. Right. Right? Right. Right. There's um, nothing good that can come out of that, and that's what's going on really kind of on campus is... Students are saying, no, 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 that hurts my feelings. So everybody else, take care of it. Right. And, and no one else can learn this text because it hurts me. Right. It hurts my feelings. Or right. 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 So that's the kind of thing. So, you know, I, I feel like when, I feel like the listeners are going to feel like we jumped into conversation. Just like, right. No, 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 no. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because they'd feel like we jumped into conversation right off the bat. But I've been saving this since we began. And mm. I want to talk more about, and in detail, and in like proper, uh, let's just say proper nuance about this whole culture. Like now I want to, now I want to know what you think is the problem on, um, Say, even if somebody, say for instance me, right? I have a problem that you teach something that is against brown Indian people. Uh, And I'm like, this class cannot learn about this because this idea now continues to live, right? And it lives in the mind of Damien and other white cisgender males, 
right and they will discriminate against me when it comes comes to me for like getting a like getting a job promotion for that matter or earning 144000 more um, how do you what do you what do you feel about that well i think the key word you said well there's nuance right right so having nuance is now lost right, right. there's no nuance in any topic right it's everything's black and white uh-huh polarized and i'm and both all sides are guilty of this i don't think the right the right the conservatives are conservatives but the right and the left are they're they're battling now from these extremes and the middle the gray like the middle area the gray area does not exist they, right and 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 they're so i just kind of think that that's before i get into this, i think that's really the key is just those people you know all of us so when i walk down the street and i smile at someone they're always almost always smile back at me Right. That's the reality of it. Right. It's not, you know what I mean? I don't hate people. Yeah. I don't feel like people hate me all the time. Right. You know? Right. I mean, some people aren't going to like you, and that's the way it is. But uh -huh. in general, uh, you know, I think we always are going to have more in common than not. You know? Mm -hmm. Or we should think that way, at least, in this country, I think. Right. Um, but as far as what you're, what you're saying about that is, okay, for instance, last class, last, I had a class last semester that we read a book called Achilles in Vietnam. Uh -huh. which is a very good book by Dr. Jonathan Shea about uh, the idea of moral injury in Vietnam and PTSD and all of that, right? right. And, and it's very different. And I was, I was actually given that book to be read a few years ago by a, by a psychologist uh, when I was in counseling. I'm still in counseling, but as I, one of my counselors. And I read it, and it's very difficult to get through because it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's moving and it's emotional and, you know, but... If you, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? So enabling PTSD doesn't help you get over it. Sheltering me from it doesn't help me move past it. It just shelters me from it. Right. That's proof. That's not. That's proven science. It's not. Yeah. Radical. Right. Yeah. So if you take it for that, then why would I say, professor, I'm reading Achilles of Vietnam where we're having to watch Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. That's really painful for me. It hurts me. Right. It's an aggression. Right. Right. It's I'm taking aggression. this. I'm taking offense to this. Right. However many, whatever word you want to describe to this. Right. To me, it's 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 my responsibility as a student, right? As a student of the school, as a classmate, to not shut those things down because it's good for the other students to read. It's not it's just about you. me. It's good for you to It read. is, but yeah. it's not just about, about me. But if it's not, uh, it's not I just about me and that kind of narcissism. Uh-huh. Oh, I see what you, you mean. You know what I mean? Now the narcissism right. ties in. Fair, 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 fair. So it's not just for me. Right. You know? That's not what the class, you know what I mean? The class is for everybody. Right. But even if you are, it's it's a good way, it's it's healthy. Uh-huh. To you know, to confront those things. Right, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But I can also I also sort of give people the credit enough where a certain something might just be too much for you to handle. For like sure. you may not be at the stage where you are willing to take a level seven uh, reminder of your trauma when you are only at level two. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, you'd rather just walk out, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's like we are on, 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 a, on a macro level, we have almost agreed to not grow up. You know, we have almost agreed to not take up responsibility. Right. And then and then it's and, 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 and you know, where, where I got influenced by the idea of responsibility, straight up one man. When, when Jordan Peterson talked about it and how it gave meaning to life, and I tried doing that, it honestly worked for me, man. I was like, you know what, now I feel like I have a sense. This podcast gives 
gives me such a reason to wake up. A yeah, purpose. Right. It, it, there's a purpose to it. And a healthy without, purpose. Though. Uh, and it, it all boils down into adaption or maladaption, right? How are you dealing with the circumstance? Because tomorrow is going to be one degree tougher than it was today, right? And um, the whole idea of creating the universities into a safe space is so maladaptive because right off the bat, these people, I feel like uh, the, the people who subscribe to that ideology believe that they can make the world a safer place eventually if they make the student if they, if they make the student population at universities a safe space you know if they, if you can indoctrinate the world with a safe space concept then the world is not going to be as hard but they seem to discount the fact that nature in a sense is chaotic right and the nature of people as there were 7 billion 8 billion soon whatever we are we, uh, india is not helping the cause man. <laughs> we are reproducing at a rate you have no idea uh, good for you <laughs> Finally, getting to have yeah. sex out there, man. <laughs> um, it's a, it's 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 inherently going to be chaotic, and then when you are not prepared to deal with the reality, like it's not, it's it, it, you cannot stop things like, and I'm, I might sound a little harsh, but like you cannot predict things like 9/11. They happen, and they change people like you into doing things that they never thought they'd do. A theater major into into the war zone, and from the war zone into the political war zone. It seems like, or at least the student uh, part of that. If, if 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 I were to think of you, I mean, you were fairly uh, left leaning back then too. But like, if I were to th- if if I were to think of somebody who was so unprepared to face the realities of life, um, and when confronted by such a reality from a different part of the world that doesn't does not subscribe to that ideology, I'm sure it breaks them. Um, but but you know what? Going to I, I I want to give you an opportunity to sort of go into a monologue and deconstruct the whole thing down. Do which, you think, do you, which, like the the, the, the the whole campus culture, mm-hmm. why you think it's wrong or fundamentally why you think it's wrong because like the low resolution, high resolution I subscribe to, right? We are so low, we are so fixated on the low resolution outcomes of things that we do not even care to go deep enough into. I get into conversations where just for being friends with a few Israeli people, um, right. people look at me differently and I'm like at least bother to ask why I love that man beyond. There is a reason because he, he's going to do anything for me and I don't care. I don't care where he's coming from. If he's going to take care of me today, that's what I care about, right? And I think it's a reasonable enough explanation. I don't, I don't dirty my hands, and I'm sure to some degree his hands are dirtied by a cause as well, right? There is all sorts of explanations, right? Um, well, I think that's like you said, and I think you mentioned it a couple of times. I think a lot of it is just personal. It's responsibility and it's accountability, and those are deep things to you know. They have a, that has a lot of. There's a lot that goes into those things. There's a lot of different ways I think you can take it. But what you also said earlier is that there's nuance. And there's just inviting conversation. I don't know why people would not want to have discourse with people who don't have the same ideas. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. You're not actually learning anything. You're not growing at all. Not horizontally at least. No, but I... If you've, if you've been ensconced in this ideology from the time you started going to school, it's all you know, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're bringing that in with you into the, onto the college campus. Mm-hmm. So, and only getting reconfirmed here. It's, and that's what it is. And, and I think that is you know, the, 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 how skewed professors are left to right leaning and those kind of statistics and and there's ways to dive deeper into those statistics on how far left or how far right that really means you know that is it's it's far it's far skewed and 
like you said before, there's, there's to read texts or have a sense of place or belonging or sense of reverence, right? Like I was talking about earlier, or awe or wonder for the things that have come before you gives you that like sense of place, right? Or a sense of belonging into like a, into the bigger picture, I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, like being just like being American, right? Or being, mm -hmm. that's a big thing. It should be a uniting thing. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be the extreme. Like if you say you're, you know, you're patriotic, that doesn't mean that you're, you know, a radical, that I would get everybody who's Mexican, warmonger, yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? The, yeah. the, all these, these mm -hmm. things that, that get attached right. to these words, it's, it's not that. Mm -hmm. And, and I talked to, I was talking about nationalism to somebody and they said, well, what about people who, who are white nationalists? I was like, you can't be a white nationalist in America. That doesn't make sense. We're not, you know what I mean? No, we're actually not a white nation. Oh yeah, I it's see a, what we do have lots of different cultures. Uh -huh. You can be a white cultures. person with a nationalist. Yeah, like I and you know and, and these whole things like, why would you want certain people to come speak on campus? Like things like that, uh -huh. or not want them? I would love to have Richard Spencer come talk, and it would have to be a dialogue, right? You would have to have people be able to stand up and counter those opinions, right? Because I could counter all of his, right? Everything, because he's a collectivist. I've watched him talk. I've watched his videos. Because I thought I would, I, I watched. What's wrong with collectivism? What's wrong with collectivism? How does it not sustain itself? Because it's it's solely you're 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 applying qualities to an entire group of people based on a single attribute, right? Like right. white or mm -hmm. male or female or black or right or right. trans or gay or mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There, it takes it's, it completely takes away individualism. Right. You know, it applies an entire thing. So if he believes that white men or white whatever, you know what I mean, that's what this country should be, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a ridiculous thing to do that you can easily counter with any kind of rational argument. And I even watched him in a, he said something like statistics are for idiots or something. Oh, yeah. No, I heard that. And, I was and, like, <laughs> and people buy that, into that? Yeah, it's just. Right. No, I mean, I, I've never heard Richard Spencer otherwise, but this particular line, if somebody's saying, and if there is not a valid enough context to this thing, I am going to be like, this man... No, there was no valid context to it. He just said it. I watched him say it. God, it's I on mean, the video. God bless facts then. Right? It's like, yeah, like facts. And, and that's just what I tell people. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't judge. I don't judge people. Right. Off, you know what I mean? I don't look at anyone and, and say, oh, this person's you know, a certain race or something. And, uh, you know, I'm going to think a certain way of them. That's ridiculous. I just take them as an individual and that's what I want to be taken for as well. I don't want, you know, I hope I get it. Like, I hope people don't say, Oh, he's a veteran, uh -huh. you know, and they automatically assume I'm an expert on foreign policy because I went to Afghanistan. Right. That's kind of silly. Right. Right. So let, let me try and get this straight. Your, uh, when I came into this interview, I thought you had like a very academic disagreement with the whole thing, but it seems like you have a more fundamental, more foundational disagreement with the, the radical left culture, which is, which has a lot to do with, which has a lot to do with personal responsibility, mm -hmm. maturity, almost uh, your sense of sanity where, you know, why would like, when you say, why would you not want to engage with somebody who contradicts you? That's how you learn. Well, if you, if you, right, if you base things on the oppressor oppressed mm -hmm. ideology, mm -hmm. then you're going to be a victim. Right. right. You're going to have a common... You're going to want to be a victim. You're going to be... And you're going to... You're going to be. Right. And if that's common enemy identity politics. Right. That's what that is. Right. And so... Also, I feel like on some level, people don't understand that... Um, 
there's so many trade-offs like mm-hmm. no matter where you are there is somebody who in some f- form or fashion is taking the let's just say taking the sandwich from you the taking the candy from you sure. right it's like even as hillary clinton donald trump upscaled you and even as donald trump everybody shits on you so like there is a to and fro there is a there is a trade-off to almost everything and by the intersectional definition of universal inclusion right. you can be an oppressor in one equation or the other and then you can glorify the hell out of that mm. and then you can choose to never grow and when the opportunity presents itself when your children ask you questions adopted or biological like i've seen this phenomenon where people want to like adopt more than they want to reproduce i'm not entirely convinced but uh, whatever <laughs> uh, no matter uh, and when they come ask you about a certain something and you ha- you have to act as the one person as the image of the one person you admire and you miss that sense of responsibility within you i don't know how you're going to justify it to yourself at that point my um my, i'm sorry my, i didn't interrupt you earlier you were saying oh no my, my means of preparation for a future mm-hmm. um is always that when the opportunity presents itself i cannot be underprepared right i cannot i cannot look my sister, younger sister in the eye and be like i don't know i want to know and i want to be so prepared that she does not even have to like bother she just lays it on to me and i'm like you know what let's sweep the shit out of this place and that automatically puts me in a space where i have like close to center ideas than like radical ideas where i'm either attacking everybody it's like on both radical fronts left or right you're attacking everybody else except you it's an in group out group fallacy too but let me get this straight you have one and a half year here which i'm sure i'm going to enjoy so much with you and i'm going to hang out way more than i have up until but like how do you plan on translating what you're learning right now into the do you, do you want to get into politics do you want to get into student politics here do you want to you know uh, actively take the t- take charge of colloquia cuz honestly um, it's more i am i know if nothing goes down perry and damien are going to stand up and it's going to be <laughs> next level crazy right i don't trust myself as much as i trust you guys to do that shit uh, so what do you think about that like um, how do you translate i don't it? know so i didn't really get i got kind of pulled into this really um because i just saw no one speaking up in class not even giving a counter view to anything and even if they did or i stood up and spoke they would come up to me after class hey i just don't want to thank you for doing that i feel the same way but i'm afraid to speak up or not afraid but i mean i, I don't want to deal with that yeah 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 and i don't want to and, and and it's difficult and yeah. and you do you get concerned about grades or my grades going to suffer mine happen right or social ostracization right right so what though okay like it's important it's important not just for you but for the other people in the class to be like i i tell people this i when i was in the military you want to be a good teammate you know uh-huh. you want to be good for your team so like i'm a good classmate by giving by speaking up because it's going to make their arguments better because they're going to have to come right, up with some come up yes. with things and yeah. and and counter my views or not or 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 not counter them it's not always that but uh-huh. I'm speaking from like now I'm getting back in like debate mode which I right. I try not to cuz uh keep that alive man that's yeah. the fire <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh I I think I'm I started really looking at um at possibly going to law school um I don't know if I could go into politics I don't know if people would want to so somebody would neck tattoos neck tattoos yeah <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But, that's honest, uh, dude. That's honest. I surrender. Right, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I know that that's a, that's a reality. So, or, um, I would I liked teaching. I used to teach um, in, in, in when I was in the military. I was teaching how to disarm 
mm -hmm. IEDs and then approach like kind of in combat stuff and how to right. mentally or in a kind of from a mental perspective how to counter that. Um, which I tell people too, it's like, you know, it's important to look, take the macro view of things. Not everything is a micro view of anything. Mm -hmm. If I just had like the, looked at just the compound where we were going to attack, mm -hmm. I didn't look at the entire village, mm -hmm. then I wasn't getting a good perspective on my mission. Mm -hmm. I would actually have gotten probably killed mm -hmm. quite a few times or blown up. You know? So, you know, it's not always getting this myopic view of the world, you know, mm -hmm. just step or stop every once in a while, breathe, right. You know, right. And back out and, you know, just kind of look at everything from a, not just New York city or not just Columbia. And, you know, right. Cause we get, so we're so warped because we're yeah. in New York and, and it's, it's obviously very left leaning and it's a, a different way. planet. Man. It totally, totally yeah. completely is. And that's, and that's fine. Like, why would I not want to be at a school where, you know, I'm going to be countered from like Outside. I'm 15 to one here right. in class. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. That's great. Why would I want to be somewhere where everyone agrees with me? I could have, I could have gone, I, I didn't know it was going to be like that here, but it just makes you that much sharper. And I tell people this, like to be a conservative on campus or even to have any kind of conservative views or even know what conservatism is, it takes so much outside of class work because you're not going to get it. Yeah in class. Right. I even had a professor this semester say those effing Republicans or something. Like she said effing, she didn't say, you know, you know. I would have so much more respected if she would have said fucking. I but, know, but yeah. I, know. I mean, and it's fine. It's not a big deal. I don't, but it's, um, you know, and I said, like, you know, you're just going to have to be sharper with your arguments right. because you're going to have 15 people coming, countering you ideally with a different view. So, um, and I would just tell people, you know, kind of really start, like, what is conservatism? Like, what is liberalism? What does it really mean? You know, and, and that's why, that's actually what I've been more studying lately, because it, which is, um, I thought there was something interesting. Margaret Thatcher, I believe, once said that, I'm paraphrasing, Europe is found, uh, founded on history, and America is founded on philosophy. I thought that was a really interesting Mm -hmm. uh, quote. Yeah, it's basically what she was saying. I don't remember it exactly, but I thought that was like an interesting. But yeah, Europe was founded on history, and America was founded on philosophy, and I thought that was mm -hmm. that's kind of interesting. interesting thing. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, and I would say to conservatives, and not everything is free market capitalism. You know, like that's not everything. We can't do everything with statistics. Uh -huh. And if you, you know, and that's what I. Because I was doing that quite often, and it's very good for debate, right? Like, because right. I have a lot of statistics you can memorize, and uh -huh. you know, it's it's really useful to counter progressives because a lot of times they don't. They don't have. They don't any have any. any. Yeah. So uh, it's very useful, and but that gets kind of I feel like that gets kind of easier. You know what I mean? That's it's, right. it's easy just to be like, okay, I'm going to throw out a bunch of facts, and right. Yeah, that's great. It's great to know that, but on a deeper level, like, what does conservatism mean? Uh, I see. You know what I mean? I, know, I, I, I sort of do understand that. And it's, it's, it's almost uh, flattering to your cause that you're fair enough to even criticize your end of the bargain. And it's very essential. But you know what really sticks with me in our conversation? And I'm almost curious to ask. I, I, uh, I've recently um, committed openly to my romance with psychology. And like, I think I was avoiding it for the longest time. But like, <laughs> I, try to, I try to like understand where people are coming from um, in conversation and that is part of the reason why I do this podcast because it helps me understand people on a level that I like understanding, right? right? 
and it's like i feel like to some degree the the idea of the self from somewhere in the military influenced you so much where you sort of revel in um, i don't even have the vocabulary to describe it it's like when you say that 15 to 1 and you have to be sharper you have to be you have to be more on point like that sort of automatically gives me an image of the military and being on point and being on guard and then doing your doing better doing better than because there's no expectations there right there is no ceiling to things you can make things safe and then you can make things safer and then you can make things safer there is no safest right for you for instance right you can you can you can expedite things and you can make them more expedite and there is no absolute expedition right this there is um and you sort of live with that uh, in your life and it sort of makes me feel like that is what brings you to um oppose this culture of uh, victimhood so so strongly because it's like why wouldn't you take responsibility why wouldn't you be better it's tested it it's like science me. yes yeah fascinating does it, it does, but and i but it's just it's more just i think uh it's like a search for truth always you know like what's the truth what are, what is the truth in things right really though uh-huh you know like really like specifically what does that mean okay well i need to learn more about that because i don't know that i don't know the answer to that so it's a, that's an easy tangent you know uh-huh okay i don't know okay well i'm taking people are saying i'm cons- taking conservative views but what is it like conservatism like you know you know they call it like almost like a paleo conservatism i think is what it's called sometimes which would go back to Edmund Burke and that kind of thing and right. what does that really mean what does that mean so that's um I'm di- that's what I'm diving into right now right. It's, and it's a very there's a lot of judeo christian uh-huh. things tied into that and right. and economics as well and 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 trying to try trying to combine all of those things now is kind of what I'm right focus I'm just interested in in studying right now right um as much as in the constitution and obviously like the constitution and what that means but um Yeah, I just don't I don't know why people wouldn't want to cuz so cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. is basically it's arguing with yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's what you do. Okay. So that you don't that you can change ways of thinking like uh so you don't catastrophize things, right? right. Like the world's going to end because I don't like so I don't have my keys. Uh-huh. Right? Right. I didn't lock the apartment. It's a means I didn't lock the apartment. I'm on the subway. I didn't lock the apartment. Someone's going to break in and someone's going to steal my computer. And not only that, they're going to find all my passwords. Then they're going to drain my bank account and then I'm going to be homeless in a month. Uh-huh. Right? Right. And that's what we do. That's what I do. Uh-huh. With the symptoms that I have, right? I used to I, I still do, but I combat that, right? right. And that's what I I feel like everyone could do with a dose of that. Uh-huh. You know. Uh-huh. Just breathing. It's like it's like a hyperventilation. Like everyone's hyperventilating all the time. Right. You know? Right. Like right. politically. Uh-huh. It's like they can't. They can't can breathe. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um yeah, so that's that's it's uh honestly man, I feel like I feel like I need at least an hour and a half to more with you mm-hmm. uh, to dive into that end of the whole thing where you speak about how because um, th- there is a suffocation to 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 the political situation and there is a reveling there is celebration of that suffocation too when like there is all sorts of arguments on that side but uh, I have heard I've heard a lot about the way you um, you get into the way you debate when you're mm-hmm. in a debate when you the way you argue when you're in a debate <laughs> um what are your give us a few tips on how 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 to go to about debate? doing that yeah like give me a structure <laughs> man give me a structure uh, 
where did I kind of learn some of that from? A lot of it is just really listening to people, you know? Right. Okay, so countering the idea, not, not, not the person. Right. That's, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of the foundation, I think, of anything. If I'm debating someone, um, don't act like I know about something that I don't know about. Right. Be fair. Right. Be I fair. don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's lot, like lots of these things I'm studying I'm not authoritative mm-hmm. about. Um, there are certain topics that I'm much stronger on, like the hate speech and right and hate right. that we talked about yesterday. Uh, those are some of the, the stronger ones. But um, so listen, don't take it personally. Yeah. Right? Right. Don't get emotional. Right. Because then you're going to get tripped up. And I'm talking about debating as like a game. Right. Like a healthy That's sport. That's how we do, yes. That's what I do. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about this as... As a political thing. No, yeah, no, 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 no. It's not like personal political. No. It's, it's really like it's a, a It yeah. really is. It's yeah. like a sport, like a, a mental sport. That I, I think it's great and right. I love doing it. Right. Um, yeah, don't take it personal. Like, look at the stoicism. Like, practice some stoicism. Right. Like, and I mean, what I mean by that is, so if someone, say, if someone's attacking you. Right. Or coming, or whatever. If they say something negative about you and it's not true, then who cares? Right. And if it is true, then change it. Exactly. Improve. Right. It's very simple. Right. So that's kind of a big foundation of that. And uh, yeah, counter the idea, not the person. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I've heard Jordan Peterson say this. Someone said this. Um, use minimum force necessary. Yeah, that is so <laughs> fascinating. Which I didn't used to do. Uh-huh. I used to come very hard at people, and really like overwhelm them, them yeah. like right away. And they'd be like, squat. Not they, but then you're also, no one's ever going to want to debate you again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that happens to me sometimes online. I, I've had friends say, man, you seem really mean. I'm like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm mean. I'm really direct. Mm-hmm. Um, so being, knowing, being able to, to temper that. But if right. someone's coming at you right away, I mean, you know, it's like a game. Right. Then I may come at them harder right, right away mm-hmm. and stop them. Say, no, you've had your chance to talk. Now it's my turn. Okay. And now I'm going to say this. Right. And sometimes that'll just like stop and... You know, they'll stop and that'll, and, and then they'll absorb. To, and they, yeah, and then they'll actually be able to absorb and right. um, like, don't be afraid to laugh, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. don't be afraid to be wrong. Right. It's okay. Right. Um, and it's study, yeah. you know what I mean? Read books, mm-hmm. read about these things, listen to podcasts. Like, um, like I told, I told Perry this, I, 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 I I don't take a, a light schedule, but I don't take a heavy one. Um, number one, because I can't, because I can't you know, keep sometimes up. Keep, because like yeah. some of the problems I have. So. But it also allows me some free time to kind of hopefully be able to study these topics mm-hmm. on my own so that I can get better at these things. You know? Right. But uh, yeah, that's a big one with the debate. I use a minimum force uh-huh. that you need to do because then you're just going to invite more discourse. Right. And that's the point. I'm not trying to shut someone down. Right. You know? But no, exactly. I think like uh, the... The principle that I get into with debates or any conversations for that matter is um, I go in with the purest intent of curiosity, yeah. right? And not to be right at all. I don't want to be right. The more often I'm wrong at 22, the more right I am at 44. Right. It, it, it's, that's it. You right? will all be so much smarter than me at my age because you've all been doing this for so much longer. I'm, I'm, and in part, I feel like that in, in all honesty, um, and this is where I almost like uh, pay due credit to you mm-hmm. and to Perry and everybody who I learned from on campus and it's everybody it's 18 year olds and it's 50 year olds yeah, everybody for sure. it's like you guys keep me on my toes 
back in India, I saturated. I saturated this my surroundings. Everybody was a certain somebody, and I knew, I understood that here I have to be fighting. Here I have to be consistently rising up to the top, because I find purpose, I find joy, and I find responsibility. And that's just me there. But um, I mean, I'm also in awe of these younger people, like a 19, 20 year old that smart. are that are at Columbia. Yeah, it's nuts. Like. Some of the things they, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know they're incredibly smart. It, it is. Incredibly I, smart. I, you know what I mean? So I have, I'm in all of them, you know, as well. Yeah. Everybody really that's here. And just to be here is such a, it's such an honor. Like and what a gift. It builds so much humility in you as a person. Yeah. You're like, I used to think, oh my God, me? I'm fucking smart. What are you right. talking about? And then I come here and 18 year olds batter the fuck out of me. And yeah. I'm like. It's like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm smarter in certain things. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm a decent speaker, because, and that's part of debating, I think, as well. Is right. uh, one of the women in, in the in the colloquy yesterday. We were talking quickly afterwards, and she I, uh, something like she doesn't really see the point in debate uh-huh. just for debating's sake. Right, that you're not going to change anyone's mind, and they're not going to change because yours. that's not the purpose. That's exactly. not the purpose, and it's yes. not that. And I, I tried. I was like, well, that's not really yeah. purpose, and it's also not true. Right, I've been. I've I've had someone bring something up in a in a, in a just like a debate, and and I've gone, oh really? That's interesting. I'm yeah. gonna go look for that. Into it, yeah. Yeah, and maybe they weren't exactly right, but they might be a little right, and then that that might you know change what I mean? things. It yes. only it's small nudges. It's small it's nudges. Like I tell conservatives too, like read book, like read books by you know by progressives. Right. You know, read about mass incarceration. Like read a you know read Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow. Right. right. Read Angela Davis's stuff. Listen right. to her. You know what I mean? Like about prison. Like, you know, I'll uh-huh. read the listen to those people. Uh-huh. Um, read about Marxism. Like, understand it if you're going to counter it. Right. Really read it. Right. You know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Back like, in 2015, when I had no vocabulary for all of yeah. this, I was still. I'd actively do this. I'd follow, like, say, if I was politically, I'd, I'd I'd follow a set of pages that would belong to one part of the ideology. And then two months into it, I would unfollow all of them and then follow just the opposite. Right. How else will you learn? And how else when it comes time for you to vote, would you know? Right. How else when it comes time for you to act, would you know? Like read the book on written about the, ri- the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. It's only going to, fr- because you're just going to say, oh, they, right, it's a social, right, they're Marxists. Right. I mean, they say it basically in there. I mean, read that book, you know. It go, says it? Something like that. I mean, you'll, they're, not, they're, they're not for capitalism because that's neoliberalism. You know what I mean? I see what you That's mean. That's basically yeah, yeah, yeah. what that yeah, means, yeah. and they're against that. So. Socialism, democratic socialism. They're against Marxism. Yeah, yeah, and really, okay, I get. <laughs> I want to really hit this home with people about the democratic socialist thing. I would love to debate Ocasio Cortez. I could actually. I would love to like sit and talk to her and just ask questions. So look at FDR's policies, right? Really look at them. See, did they? Not everything he did was, 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 was bad or good, right? Not everything. But look at it from another perspective. Did, he ex- did his policies extend the Depression? Some people would say yes, right? Milton Friedman would say yes. The right. Chicago School, those people would say yes. And I would definitely say, like, you know, look at, okay, democratic socialism. Look at their website and read it. Uh-huh. And tell, like, look at what they're saying. Look at what the website says. And then make your own... Don't just say, just because it sounds fancy. Right. What does it really mean? (laughs) Yeah. And what is their end goal? Because they say it on the website. Right. They even say there's never been a democratic socialist country. They say it on the website. So 
You have no data, practically. No, so I'm asking, so when I get into debates, people, well, I lived in a democratic socialist country. Really, where? Uh huh. Where exactly? And they wouldn't tell me at this one person. They wouldn't say it. Oh, wow. They kept not saying it. I was like, well, what country? They'll tell me. Okay. Don't say Canada, because it's not right. They have social programs, and I think there's this mistake that social programs make. Socialist is, is the same as socialist economy. Okay, so like if America spent sixty-two percent of our spending last year on social programs, we That's, did. Yeah, I'm not making that up. I don't make these numbers up. Uh-huh. You know, we spent sixteen percent on defense. So how much more are we supposed to spend on social programs? They, I don't even mean that. That's not even including. Safety net programs, I don't believe. Right. So, um, I mean, you can check all those. But uh, I just wish people would tell me why they support it. That's all. And give me like a really good argument. I can get you a very vocal advocate of democratic Fine. socialist on, uh, on on my podcast and we could debate it out. Absolutely. I would I'd love, love to, it. I'd love to moderate yeah, it. Yeah, I would love it. Okay. I'm going to contact that person <laughs> Anytime. Yes. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, I think we're about, okay. we're about closing time. Yeah, yeah. I, do you have any closing remarks that you'd want to make? Yeah, I would just hope for everyone this is, it's not about like hating people or not liking the other side or not anything. Uh-huh. Just, in, just talk to people. You know, uh-huh. There's nuance to everything. And if people can just, you know, open up, um, open up and talk to people, you know, right. about, about things, then it's, it's not, it's not as bad as people think. I don't, you know I mean? I, I think, you know, everything is, is, is workable uh-huh. you know, if you have discourse, but if you don't, then it's not, and it's not, then it's a standstill. It's yeah. a full stop. Oh, I would just tell people like, and just read, like read, you know, if you can, if you have time, I know people don't have the time. I, you know I mean? I know they're not just a student. I know people out there in the world are working and I, you know, I get it. Uh-huh. I wasn't. People maybe. like those, you have podcasts, you have audiobooks, you, you have the subway, sure. you have everything, but, um, all resources if you want to make it. Yeah, work. absolutely. But, um, books are, I, it's such a gift, you know, reading mm-hmm. is such a beautiful thing. And I, I do worry that someday I may not be able to, you know, process mm-hmm. it anymore. And that would be a horrible thing. But while you have the opportunity, it's such a, you know, an amazing gift. The extension of wisdom beyond the individual is how books manifest, you know, yeah, right? And then they just stack up. Yeah. And then there is centuries worth of wisdom. And we, we deny that. We, we almost, we, we reject that at the cost of um, small-time hedonistic um, pleasures, right? And it's, it's tragic if you put it like that. And it, it's tragic on mine too. I, I'm guilty of it. I'm, I'm guilty of it to a great extent as well. But... Uh, it, it's been a pleasure, Damien. One more thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Read, there's one book. Please uh-huh. read that book by John Hyde and Greg Lukianoff, Coddling of the American Mind. Uncoddling of the American yeah, Mind. Because it actually gives tangible ways to, fit, to make improvements at the end of the book. It's not just an exp- explanation of what's going wrong. Right. It's okay, these are some issues, and this is how we can possibly right. move forward. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, and anyway, so I just... In yeah. fact... I would do one better and I would, if you want to look into this book, if you want to look into the idea of the book before you buy it, um, Sam Harris and Jonathan Haidt on Sam Harris's That's podcast, right. Right. he just breaks the book down in a fashion where it's more digestible, where the idea is more palatable and then go ahead, buy the it book. Is. It's amazing. Yeah. I honestly loved that conversation. I was like, and like, you know, like honestly, yeah. Good, good, good. Um, good thank time, Damien. Thank I had you. Such thank a good you time. so much. Thank, no, you, thank you so, so much. much for having me. Hey, you, um, I want to bring the democratic socialist so I can see you battle out. I'm so excited for that. Thank you for tuning in. I had such a good time. Let's see how how long. We almost got an hour and a half in. Awesome.